welcome to GuestCast. Tune in and listen as we speak to global education experts about the latest trends, challenges and stories that matter. Hello and a big welcome to Russell Cayley, Director of the Centre of Innovation and Training at Think Global School. Um, Welcome and thank you for chatting to us today, Russell. Good to join you. Good to join you today. Um, So can you tell me a bit more about your background and how you ended up doing what you do? Yeah, of course. I was a teacher in Manchester, England um, for around six years, uh, sixth form college and kind of, you know, was was A-level teaching. We were, I think at one point we were looking at becoming an IB school as well. And there just became a point where I was looking to kind of, you know, spread my wings a bit and was looking at the international scene and the job that um, over a decade ago now, I think Global School came up and it was quite, you imagine a decade ago, it was quite a an idea, quite a philosophy. Um, so, yeah, it was, I, I just viewed joining Think Global back then as a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, we were an IB school for five years and then we launched the Changemaker program um, again about five years ago and we've been doing that ever since. Uh, the idea of the, the Changemaker program was to be a completely project-based school uh, focused on you know uh, problems, driving questions, being portfolio-based, not exam-based. So yeah, it was, it was a really good ride and it was a fantastic experience. And then um, six months um, ago, we began to get the investment together and the staff to launch the Think Learning Studio, which is where I am right now, I'm training teachers and educators around the world to basically do what Think Global School does, which is a design curriculum, which are um, problem, challenge and project based. Brilliant. And can you tell me a bit more about the Think Learning Studio? What's, what is it? And yeah, just a bit more information about it. Yeah, well, teaching the Changemaker program and being principal of the Changemaker program, what we found, obviously, I was doing a lot of hiring. And what we found was there was um, a real lack of training in diverse teaching practices for a lot of educators in the world. And we also found that a lot of training done at universities was still very much geared towards the exam-based model. So, you know, I was a history teacher, so you were prepared to be a history teacher. Nothing was really done um, in the university education or the following professional development courses that I did, which really exposed um, us as educators to interdisciplinary teaching, project-based teaching. And I think we just felt we had something to join in that conversation. We've been doing it. Um, we've, we're one of the few schools in the world that do 100% project-based um, in terms of our curriculum. So what we did, we launched, our, and we are launching a range of courses to help teachers and educators over the world adapt to what we believe is a changing um, paradigm. We believe that the the factory-based model of education is is slowly going to, it's already been challenged by a lot of educational thinkers out there. And I think um, as that conversation heats up, there's going to be more pressure, I think, on the exam-based system to change and pivot and become something true. I know a lot of schools say they are student-focused, but something that truly is student-focused, which is what, what we believe um, is a portfolio-driven, project-based curriculum. 
And that, I mean, that sounds quite an innovative way to, to think about schools and sort of future proofing schools. And I know sort of teacher recruitment um, and empowerment is, is quite a perennial um, issue at the moment. Yeah, I mean, the data, I just did a talk actually with um, with, with you at Guess in, in Turkey, and we I was talking to educators in Istanbul about just this, and I'm actually going to Brisbane next week to talk about the same thing. Teacher morale um, is, is really not good right now, and the data all supports that. Um, a massive number of teachers are thinking of leaving the profession, other a, a large other percentage of, of educators are saying the stress during and after the pandemic is is almost unbearable. So we, we we've hit a crisis point, I think, or we are approaching a crisis point. And there are solutions out there. I think often we can think about the situation we're in, and there's no alternatives to the the exam based model, um, but there are and are. What we hope is an innovative approach is is telling and trying to educate and joining the conversation with educational leaders to, to say that, you know, education really needs reforming. And the benefits of that, I saw that firsthand at Think Global School, the educators, the teachers are happier, the students are happier, the quality of work um, goes up. Um, an incredible amount and it really gives you space to build what, what I truly believe is a better community because you have more time to focus on mental health and the mental health challenges that are, that are facing many students. You have more time to do service learning projects, which is, you know, driven towards empathy and giving back to one's local community. So, so it, it really does it really does beg the question why we are still um, pushing ahead with this exam focused curriculum, which really, especially by the by grade 12, really dominates the students entire existence in school. You sort of touched on it there in terms of well-being for all. Um, and I mean, even if you're not a teacher at the moment, there's so much um, challenges, information, the global situation seems to be changing changing quite, quite rapidly at the moment. Yes. And um, what sort of advice would you give to teachers to balance the demands that are pushing them at the moment? A few things. I think hybrid learning and the, it depends where we, you know, what geographical location we're, we're talking about. I think a lot of teachers, where we are right now is schools are going back into in-person um, teaching, which is great. Um, in terms of balancing demands, that's a great question. <laughs> I, think, I think hybrid learning, online learning, it sh we should learn lessons from it. I don't think we have to discard um, everything we've learned in the last two years and go all in on in-person teaching and, and education. We really can take some valuable lessons from the last two years, which I think can really make working in school and being in school easier. Um, the hybrid and online learning model we've, we've, we've seen can really help students learn from anywhere. Um, it's made us as a leadership at Think Global more adaptive. We can take our meetings from anywhere and we don't have to be in the same room in the same space. 
So that the, the, I would say in terms of balance, I, I have that critical conversation with your staff and your teams, you know, as we go back in person, I think there are a lot of things we did over the online two years, which can make our life a lot more balanced and a lot more, a, a lot easier. That doesn't mean we have to, you know, throw ourselves fully into online schooling, um, but we can certainly learn lessons from it. And as we've seen, I'm based in Dubai, um, there are numerous schools emerging that are completely online. Um, it really suits some students and it really doesn't suit others. And I think the marketplace will become a lot more vibrant over the next few years and students as consumers will begin to, um, as they do more at university level, even at high school level, I think they'll begin to select um, courses and schools um, that suit their learning traits. So maybe the balance will find the teachers naturally as we enter into this, this, this new world that is approaching us in education. But in terms of balance, I would just say, take a few learning pieces from the, from the era we've just come from. It wasn't, I know it was hard, but it wasn't all bleak. We definitely made huge progress in terms of how to teach online, how to conduct meetings virtually, how to put together course material online. I think Virtually every educator globally improved in that domain. So there's much we can take from it, which all would give a, a, a really, really help with balance, I think. That's that's very true. Um, and I think the other thing about, I guess, why the, the think global school approach is, is quite refreshing is preparing students for the future, because to to prepare them for the jobs that we don't know about, that the world is changing rapidly, I, I guess, the school curriculum and what you teach in schools needs to be pivot and be able to to meet those needs of the students. Absolutely. And we made a real conscious choice um, a couple of years ago before the pandemic to get into training um, with Futures Foundations around the world. We, we sent the global school staff off to get um, foresight training um, conducted and improve that skill set. And we've used that a lot in PD since. We also look to make collaborations with any industry leaders in foresight, training, thinking, or, of, you know, futures thinking, um, in local regions. Again, in Dubai, we have the Dubai Future Foundation. We ran a three day workshop with that institution, which was incredible for our students to experience that. And we had local schools in Dubai join us. So that was a great experience. I know there's, there's other institutions like this emerging. Um, for example, one of our staff is from Bosnia. Sarajevo have a, a great Futures Foundation emerging. Um, and there's obviously the, there's the, the very famous Institute of the Future over in um, Palo Alto in, in California. So uh, yeah, I would say seek out that training on, um, on, on futures thinking. It, it's there around the world as more institutions begin offering training on it and get a couple of members of staff trained up and then come back into your school and, and, and share that training. It was really powerful for us at Think Global to do that. Um, and you've touched a bit about Think Global Schools, but can you tell us a bit more about how it came into being, what it is, uh, the vision for the future, I guess? Yep, 10 years ago, we, we launched. Um, it's a traveling school. That's why it, it gets a lot of recognition. We, we're keen to say that's not all of what, what we are, though. But the travel definitely does catch the eye. And we have, um, we started out with multiple models, really, before I think we settled on the model 
um, we, 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 we live in now, but we've tried long um, stints in countries. We've, we've tried shorter and it was really trial and error at the start. We went to countries that probably we would go back to other countries where we might not. And that, that's not speaking badly about any country we've been. It, it's just some suits, um, 30 young people running around a city or a location. Others don't so much. So, um, yeah, we're a traveling school. We look at learning the local culture, the local religion, local parts of the local language. And it really is experiential based. So we, at any opportunity we can, we try and take the students out of the classroom and into the local environment, meeting mentors, meeting local institutions that are working, doing good things in a, in a geographical location. And right now, as we exist right now, over the 10 years of a lot of um, adaptation and changes, we go to four countries every year on a three-year cycle. And the, and we have two cohorts. Uh, one cohort just landed, or the staff just landed in Botswana. The other cohort just landed in Malaysia. So we kick off. We've also redesigned the school calendar. So we don't have those long summers and we have four equal chunks of eight weeks where the students are fully immersed in a country, projects and the curriculum. And then they'll go home for, um, four to five weeks. We often, but we've used online learning for many years now. So the, actually the pandemic was not such a surprise for us because we've always done online learning and to prepare the students for any country we're going to. So we've always had a hybrid and blended model. We've had that for probably seven, eight years. So yeah, so, so four countries every year, completely project-based and very much hybrid-based as well. Oh, that's incredible. And can you, I mean, people know, I, I guess, lots of them will know why, why real world learning is so important. But for those that don't, could you talk a bit more about why sort of uh, having that sort of approach works very well for students? Yeah, well, I, it's because I think we have to wake up to the fact that so much of school is completely fragmented and dislocated from the economy the students are going into. And the more you expose them to real life, not just problems, but solutions and experiences, which also can be, it's not all about you know solving problems. We also wanna celebrate the amazing things going on in different communities around the world. And real world learning is actually seeing what's going on in the ground in communities and what local businesses what small businesses are doing in, in, a, in a given region, what, what is the political feelings and tensions um, of any region. And we, we, we're getting the students' hands dirty when it comes to um, solve, you know, getting into communities. And, and that's why real-world learning is really important because we, we've not completely abandoned the classroom. It would be crazy for me to say that, but we, we do operate and we do we do have classroom spaces, but we certainly are outside them as much as we are inside them because, you know, you, we, we have to expose the students to what's going on in the world, them leaving for university at um, 18 and, and being given a huge shock about what the world looks and feels like is, I don't think he's doing anyone any favors. And um, real world learning is also giving students who maybe don't want to go to university a chance to explore other options out there, whether it's starting up an NGO, a small business, taking a gap year, traveling. Um, 
it's the we feel the real world learning approach is 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 diversifying the options for the students and it's also preparing them better for what's to come in life um, as they leave more structured education and i guess what's what's great about the the, the approach here is sort of you've got your your innovation and your forward thinking but as well the the students are being immersed in the culture and the history of a country as well so they have that full sort of 365 view of of everything really yeah and we always recruit local experts as well mm-hmm. um so we'll always have a local expert on the ground to guide us educate us we we're very mindful of not going into a community and and imposing ourselves on that community we'll always have local experts on the ground to guide us and the students and i think that's really important as well because um, we have to be humble as we move into any um, any community and, and tread lightly agreed yeah and can you tell me a bit about what you enjoy most about your your job at the moment just how fast-paced it is i mean that is I, anyone who asks me whether it's in a, a new t- a teacher joining um, the community or a podcast like this. It's the, the speed that we move. I really enjoy. Um, and the fact that the teams we work with at Think Global School are so quick to pivot. I mean, the pandemic obviously was a, a huge stress on, on, on all of us. But I think what I enjoyed about, um, my team is just how flexible they, they were and how quick they were to change our model, our curriculum model. And the students really benefited from that. So, I mean, in terms of this organization, um, yeah, I, I really like how quickly we can pivot and how fast we move um, towards new um, new content and new themes that are emerging, whether that's Web3, blockchain, um, so many issues around you know green energy for example we, we we can pivot really fast and that's exciting because the the curriculum is you feel you're 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 delivering and helping deliver a curriculum that is relevant and i think that that's really crucial um and can you tell me about your career high career high um I think kicking off, being being principal, I, I closed our IB school down six years ago. I think a career high was completing my first term, which was Botswana. It was going into a, it was going into into the field. Um, it was it was launching our second Think Global school cohort. Um, we had a we had a great team of teachers, but a, a group of teachers that have come that have come out of the IB diploma, a very structured system. We had to end that part of the school very strongly for the good of the, the, the students and the parents of that community. And then we moved into a completely new team, um, a new group of students, 30 new recruits. And we launched in Botswana, which was a really challenging eight weeks. But it was um, I, I, and I think that gave me the strength to say, OK, this this is possible. I can do this. Um, I can I can lead a, a team and under such challenging situations and then the team has gone on strength to strength we then went to india japan and we just finished last month in in, in greece i finished my time as principal after five years in in greece and that was a, that was a, that was also a high um, those that graduating class were a fantastic group of students and 
to finish um, my time as principal with such a such a great group of students graduating and moving on to you know most of them moved on to fantastic universities fantastic courses so yeah i'd say this it was bookended um the start in botswana and the end in greece last month was was yeah were, were two really really nice career highs for me personally and then we do like to ask people about their career low um and how they overcame it and what they learned from it yeah i think i my career lows were I two. I I think <laughs> there were times when just we were moving from a very structured, very weighted IB diploma program into this new project based, and it did feel daunting. You know, to collapse your whole curriculum, everything you've worked towards, um, and then build from scratch can seem one one heck of a challenge. And there were times when you did kind of doubt yourself, you know, can I not just change everything I'm about to teach or everything I'm about to build in terms of a new curriculum, um, but also can I pivot? Because this, we were going into a world where we were going to, for example, as a history teacher, I'd always have my own class, my own classroom. I'll teach by myself. Whereas we moved into a team teaching um based philosophy where our modules are delivered in pairs. So again, that was, you know, how do I guide that as principal versus how do you guide singular teachers, which is the way of education's largely done. So there were, there were a lot of doubts and a lot of um, imposter syndrome, you know, (laughs) as we approach, as we approach the um, launching our version of, of change maker and then leading the team. Um, But we overcame it, which was great, but there were definitely some lows there. And I think the other one is just how I think career lows, I've been talking a lot about this with with friends and colleagues over the last few weeks, is just still how much resistance there is to change within education. I, I find that sad and at times frustrating, the fact that everyone that I'll go to one of your conferences, for example, maybe Dubai, maybe Turkey, everyone knows there's a problem with with exam-based traditional education. There's not one person I speak to that doesn't say there's a massive issue. Yet when it comes to finding solutions or trying new things, just there, there are often so many roadblocks and so many teachers just feeling defeated and feeling like it's not possible. Um, they're often career lows for me because I think from the Think Global perspective, we know what's on the other side. We know the, the joys and the benefits of, of, a, of a curriculum that is now a lot of curriculums say they're student centered with student voice and choice, but in reality, something that truly is. And, you know, school leaders will have to honestly ask themselves how much you know, agency and student choice is, is given within a, with any school or organization. But I truly believe that at Think Global, we, we do that and we're constantly reflecting on are we living up to our core values and our mission? which is full of agency and choice for the students. So I think some, some lows for me is, is how, as we said before, how low the morale is in education and how many educators out there don't see a solution. Um, and that can be a bit, that, that's, that's a little upsetting and challenging. Mm. Um, and what would be the one piece of advice you'd give your younger self? 
Wow. <laughs> this, is, this is a difficult one. <laughs> <laughs> I think keep optimistic. I think there are, I think growing up as a young teacher, staff rooms felt very daunting to me and educators getting together. It can often sometimes feel um, like the world's against you and against us. And I think optimism, because there are so many amazing opportunities out there in, in the field of education. And as the world opens up again and, and it's possible to move around, attend conferences, um, relocate, if that's, if that's your thing, there, there's so much to be optimistic about. And there's also so many schools doing wonderful things out there. You know, uh, I was just, you know, the, the, it's not all doom and gloom. And I think my younger self sometimes, as I started out on a teacher, I, I only thought there was one way of doing things. I only thought that the exam based model was, I thought that was it. I honestly thought because that's the training I got coming out of university during my um, teacher education. So I think if I could go back, I would say, you know, be more optimistic. Big changes are coming and it, it's going to be exciting. And that leads me on nicely to the final question I've got, which is where do you see the future of education and what are your hopes for the future? I think it's going to change fast. I think this, it feels slow right now, but I definitely I felt some momentum in the last two years that I've not felt before. And I feel there's a lot of even if schools are not doing it, they're talking about it. Um, and that's good because then at least you're admitting there's a problem and the change is needed. I see a lot of schools trying to break away from um, curriculum that is too um, boxed in. So I see the future of education is going to gain momentum, this movement of, of true student agency choice embracing very different models of education where students are online. Um, I was talking to someone who's creating a 24-hour school, for example, where students all can go in and drop in at any time of the day. So there are going to be some really, as crazy as the TGS model was 12 years ago, there's going to be just as innovative models come along, I think, in the next five to 10 years. And I think we're going to see education um, rapidly change. Now, that that really does present, I think, a lot of challenges to schools that are unwilling to change. And it might not be their fault. They might be held back by government or state legislation, edu Department of Education policy. But that is just going to cause a big fragmentation where you're going to see schools accelerate forward, doing things very differently. And you're going to get a lot of schools being held back. And there's going to be some frustration there. Um, the department of, departments of education are not modernizing and letting them modernize quickly enough. So I really see some exciting models in the future of education. And I caveat that with a warning that schools that aren't, aren't allowed to modernize, um, they're going to be asking some big questions to states and departments of education on why they're not being allowed to. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Russell. That was it was been lovely to chat to you and so interesting. Pleasure. Great to join you um, on the podcast and great to join you at guests. So thanks for the opportunity. Really good to talk to you. Thanks for joining this week's guest cast. Make sure you visit our website, guesteducation.com, the essential resource for educators to subscribe to the podcast and to enjoy the latest education news.